You're listening to This Outside Life Podcast with Lori Kaler. Here, we explore the lives of outsiders, those people who work or play in the great outdoors. At This Outside Life, we are committed to curing nature blindness and helping you step outside and step into wonder. Whether you're a bird watcher or a mountain climber, there's something here for you to learn and appreciate about this amazing world we all share. Today, I'm visiting a lavender farm. Deerhaven Lavender Farm, to be exact. They grow lavender plants for essential oils, custom artisanal soap products, and more. Deerhaven Farm is located in the Santa Cruz Mountains near the California coastline. The unique combination of nutrient-rich soil and a Mediterranean climate provide the perfect growing environment for their 3,500 lavender and herb plants. I met with David and Mary Jensen and their daughter Natalia at their beautiful location, surrounded by fragrant lavender plants and happy deer. They don't fence off the deer because the deer don't eat the lavender. David distills the lavender into essential oils, and Mary has been making different variety of soaps for decades. Their daughter Natalia helps in the production, and she's in charge of the website, which you should visit. It's www.deerhavenlavender.com. We started out talking in their workshop, and because of that, it sounds a bit echoey with all the four of us talking and there's a cement floor, but I wanted to see their operation up close. I wanted to know, how do they distill their essential oils? Do they use steam or chemicals? And what kind of soaps do they make? What were their favorites? What happens on the days when they invite the public in to pick lavender? And is it really true that lavender can help induce sleep? Is it really a help for insomniacs? All this today on the show. And stick around because they made me a batch of their delicious lavender shortbread. And then they shared the recipe with me. And of course, I'm sharing that recipe with you. I also added a lavender sugar scrub recipe that you can make for yourself or for Christmas gifts for others. You rub it on your skin and then shower it off and it leaves your skin incredibly soft with a delightful scent. You can download these recipes for free on my website, www.thisoutsidelife.com slash lavender. Well, who started this? Was it you, your daughter, both of you? Um, myself. So um, I've made soap since 1992 and for another company. And then I worked for that company, I'd say, about 10, 15 years and decided it was time for me to go move on. So I've been doing it on my own since about 2006. Oh, wow. So when the other company, was it like a really big operation with, you know, thousands of stores? or was No, it just, no, it was okay. just another... Artisanal like Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Boutique. And they were also a lavender farm. Okay. So um, I just moved on, did my own, and um, Natalia came in a couple of years ago. And she's, she does all my... Um, I moved back in 2014 with my own family. Uh-huh. I'd been gone for about 17 years. And uh, I had a newborn and a toddler. <laughs> Just worked very part-time. But now I'm getting more involved. I rebuilt the website. I do all the um, kind of label design, product design. And then um, I do a lot of the herbal formulations. So, so how did you learn all that? Uh, I mean, it's really kind of self-taught. Yeah. The, the herbal side of things. I mean... Books. I, I took a class at Cabrillo, um, which was hands-on, which was really, really nice. That's our local junior college. Yeah. 
and um, just to kind of see how things are done. Mm-hmm. But but really, you just read and learn and experiment. So when you say um, herbal recipe, do you mean like uh, figuring out which essential oils to put it together, or yeah, partly um, also which herbs you want to use? Like we do a healing herbal salve. So which herbs do you want to use in that? Oh, so you're not even though it's uh, mainly lavender, you do lots of other herbs like rosemary or yeah. We don't necessarily grow that. We get them bulk dried herbs from you know various companies. But it looked like there's a bunch of lavender plants outside that. Oh yeah, we grow our own lavender. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we definitely grow own lavender. Um, We use the lavender, but we also add you know different herbs for for different reasons. Okay. Um, But yeah, that's kind of a newer thing. Yeah. So you started with soap. Yep. And then I've been doing that for 10 years and um, I actually thought I was going to retire out of it, (laughs) but she came home back to the area and we've just kind of got this new twist, which is our salves, our gardener salves, our healing salves. But I've been doing soap for, like I said, from 1992 and um, that's the part that I'm good at. You know, I do all the manufacturing. You make the candles. We do candles. Yeah. And then we distill our own essential oil. You do. We do. I was going to ask yeah. you about yep, that. Yep, we have a still. Um, that's what my dad does. <laughs> so what's going on? Oh, this is, is this mainly where you make your soaps? Yeah. I'll, I'll this is in. the soap shop. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have it to... It smells incredible. This is where I actually make the soap with the products with coconut oil, olive oil, palm oil. And um, it's a process of melting all the oils and then you mix it with a lye, lye yeah. water, and then the two together make, they saponify. And that's what makes the soap. I make it in these uh, cakes. I should have had some here. We're kind of in our um, cusp of a season, so we're kind of in a quiet zone, yeah. and then we're going to be gearing the up here in the next in the next couple of weeks. Crazy. We are going to be gearing up. We'll be wrapping soap, you know, until eleven o'clock midnight. Yeah, um. yeah. Anyway, this is all essential oils so and the, fragrance oils. The trays you put the soap yeah. in are wooden. How come you don't use like I don't like know. those? I, I yeah, make two types. Of, I make two types of soap. The old-fashioned cold process, which is the lye um, mixed with oils, that's a six-weeks process from the time I make it, from the time we wrap it. Wow. But I also do a melt-and-pour, a glycerin soap. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of people like that for different reasons. So um, I do that for glycerin, and then on the old-fashioned process, I use these wooden molds my husband made, and then I, I, I actually... So they're kind of like serving trays, like nine by... 15 yeah. or something. And then I actually line them with plastic liners and then I pour my soap in here and then it sits for a couple days before I cut it and then it goes on the drying rack. Wow. Yeah, so but I do certain certain essential oils and certain fragrances work better in one or the other process. Oh, some work better with glycerin and yes. some work yeah. better with cobalt. Okay. Because the process for cold process kind of eat the essential oil and so the scent doesn't come through. Oh, fascinating. Or the, the fragrance or whatever yeah. you choose. So um, it, you kind of have to experiment. It goes through a chemical process yeah. called saponification. Yeah. And so it has... Some make it and some don't. Changes. Yeah. So, so we do a lot of experimentation. Yeah. So what's in... This is hilarious. You've got all these Johnny Walker, what, well, leader uh, bottles? Now you know our secret. <laughs> so there's this like... This is for storage Three purposes. dozen. Yeah. Is that, I get them from... I have a source. And um, um, I store my essential oils. You want to store any oils... Um, fragrance oils or essential oils in glass. Uh-huh. So as soon as I get them in bulk or they um, yeah, they come in plastic, I put them in glass. So that's why I have them in there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so what essential oil do you use the most? 
Lavender oil. Yeah. Yeah. And you said you distill your own lavender yeah, oil. Yeah, we, we start stilling about, you know, right after we get done picking with our harvest, usually mid, mid-July. Wow. So what's the process of you cut the lavender off and then what? We do a selective harvest first for cut dried lavender. For so forest. That, and that's, that's done by hand. And it's, oh. it's very selective and very um, labor intensive. So all the pretty pieces that people yes. want to put in wreaths. Yeah, and we have a criteria. And once that's done and all the lavender's hanging in the barn, then we'll come back and do a mass harvest. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, this is the dry. And all those are dried lavender. Mm-hmm. Those will put me... And then I have a whole stack in the back. Uh, and that's this year's harvest. And that's this year's right. harvest. Getting ready to make lavender bunches. Right. So after selective harvest, then we go back to a mass harvest. Oh, okay. and, that, and that's just done in, in big big containers, back of the truck, tarps. And then we bring it over. And, and that's run. more of the top. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're, not, we're not doing the whole long stem. Yeah. Right. So we, we want to get the flower buds because that has most of the essential oil. And mm-hmm. then we, we steam distill those. So I read online, you know, there's all these arguments about who's the best essential oil uh, place. And some say, well, make sure it's not overly heated and make sure it's water and make sure it's steam. It's like, oh my goodness. So how do you distill your <laughs> lavender? Well, we, we use a, a steam distillation method, whereas steam is pushed through or allowed to flow through the flowers, that then that picks up the essential oil and then it's recondensed. And that's that's the age-old process. There are solvent extraction methods, which are very questionable, but we, we use what was done, you know, for hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. It it it's still probably the most desired. The thing about essential oil is is knowing the source and knowing the process because yeah. a lot of it now is adulterated. With uh, what? <laughs> yeah. Many different constituents. Yeah. And without without a guaranteed analysis through a reputable lab, stuff from overseas, you don't really know what you're getting because it's been tested. And they'll, they'll mix other solvents or other constituents. Or cut it with... Yeah. Well, that's essentially what it does. A they carrier cut. oil. Or, yeah. uh, so it's not you know, 100% pure essential oil. And with the essential oil boom happening, uh, there's a lot of questionable products out there. Yeah, there's so many. And you've Mm -hmm. got the fight between the two big ones, and then Mm -hmm. you've got all these other small ones. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of got overwhelmed online. Absolutely. And you know, it's it's one way for the small uh, producer to compete is to be able to show their clients Mm. the whole process. We do yeah. a U-Pick. Right. We, have a we still, also have a U-Pick, but, yeah. but the people can come watch the distillation mm-hmm. process. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they'll see the final product. They'll take it right off the still so they know that they're getting the most pure product available. Yeah. So how much uh, to get, I don't know, a gallon of essential oil? How much? <laughs> well, now it depends product? on variety. So yeah. certain varieties of lavender yield different um, quantities of oil. That's fascinating. This is what we call a hybrid it's a lavandula angustifolia intermedia, so it's a cross. Between? Between um, an angustifolia and other lavenders yeah. they brought together for looks and for oil production. Yeah. So this is grasso. Okay. And, and the grasso produces probably four to six times more oil than a true angustifolia, like a, like a maillet or a violet intrigue. Yeah. Those are varietals of, yeah. of the true lavender. So what do they mean? Like You see these lavender fields in France. What variety is that? A lot of those. It, well, and depending what the, what the final use is going to be. So if it's for the perfume industry, it's usually the true angustifolias, like a, like a maillet 
or a Violet Intrigue, some of the other, a Royal Purple, but, but the True Lavenders yield, according to the French, uh -huh. the best oils. They won't, a lot of them don't want to touch the, uh, the intermediates because of uh, either camphor smells, other, other notes that are in it. So they, they stay, stay to those, you know, trusted uh, Well, the Grosso blend. has a more intense Yeah, from the scent. camphor. It's much more intense. Yeah. And then we have, I'll have smell it the Violet Intrigue, which is a softer, kind of sweeter note. Oh, and so okay. we'll distill them separately, and then we'll blend them. Oh, so right. our own essential oil is a blend, and you kind of get all the notes in there, and that's kind of like. like wine, you know. Yeah, yeah. Region, you know, it ha it's it's our blend from this ranch. So. Okay, this is a Grasso. This was okay. two years ago. Is that green? That's two years. Yeah, old. that's it's intense. Yeah, okay, and I, I didn't <laughs> get what you meant by the camphor, but now when yeah. I smell it, I'm not. Now, oh, Violet Intrigue is a true lavender, and it's just... oh, that's much different. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So sweeter floral note. A little more greener. I smell more greener. And unfortunately, for some reason, ladies have a better <laughs> sense of smell than most men. That, that's been my experience. That's interesting. Are most professional perfumers male? Well, yeah. may, may, <laughs> maybe you know, traditionally. Yeah, <laughs> but I, in my experience, de dealing with a lot, a lot of perfumists and, and mixtures, when we do the tests with the um, scent sticks... I, I can't pick up notes. Maybe it's just me, but other men I've talked to have the My same issues. Can't either. Yeah, huh. and, and the gals—they just seem to be able to pick it up better. So maybe it's something that's. So how many gallons of lavender oil do you distill every year? Oh. It changes year to year. You well, know, with get? the crop and with um, how many plants are in. Pro probably three to four gallons. We're very small. Yeah. And that's why we're very careful about what we distill and how we use it. And so what do you sell the most of? Is it soaps or... I mean, what all are your products? It's, you could be doing sachets, you yep. use soap. You I do them all. Sachets and soaps. Floral waters. So a byproduct, when you're steam distilling and making lavender oil, you get this much oil, but you get this much floral water, which uh, is lavender-scented water. The hydrosol. Yeah. Right. Hydrosol is another name. Yeah, we call it hydrosol. So when in the, in the process, when the steam recondenses through the through the cooling system, the oil is lighter. The essential oil is lighter, so it floats to the top. So everything underneath that is hydrosol, and we save that as a floral water. <laughs> and what do you do with floral water? Um, people use it for for lot for actual. They'll apply it right to their skin. They'll apply it yeah, to the laundry. Yeah, I've yeah, heard yeah. people yeah. spraying it yeah. on their laundry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so there's. It's you know. Oh yeah, that's lots of like rose water, lavender water. Yeah. You know, whatever yeah. water. People put it on linen spray. That's another mm -hmm. name. I use it on my kids at night. Yeah. To help them sleep. Oh yeah. <laughs> so if we get, say, if we get six gallons of essential oil, we'll get maybe sixty gallons of yeah. hydrosol floral water. Yeah. So so it's it's just another product that we that we can use. And you said you make candles, too? Yeah, I do um, candles during the holidays. In fact, I'm getting ready to begin that, get ready for my holidays. So it's candles, bath products like bath salts. Um, That's season, more seasonal. Yeah, more too. seasonal. Yeah. Sachets I'm filling all the time and soaps. And, and salve. We yeah. make two salves. Yeah. And then... What about lotions? No, we haven't moved. I mean, that's, that's another big area. You know, as far as ingredients, um, plastic bottles. plastic bottles. Our big issue is containers and packaging. And packaging. Why? So what's? I mean, I'm not a fan of plastic. Obviously, yeah. if you're yeah. into the outdoors, it's yeah. so up yeah. In the recycling. Ocean, 
um, we'd like things to be recyclable, but glass is breakable and also very expensive to ship because of the weight and not everyone wants, you know, glass. So we've, we've kind of, we've talked about this over the years and we, we just really want to stay sort of sustainable. And so far we've, we've decided not to move in that direction. And, um, really it's just us two kind of making the product. So it's really what we can handle, you know, at the time. Yeah. Um, I like to make my own products for myself but I'm just not sure we're ready to kind of branch out into a whole nother kind yeah. of the cosmetic industry is, is a whole nother level. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're happy doing what you're doing and it's yeah, fun I mean, and you're absolutely. making a profit, why yeah. bigger isn't always better. No. Yeah. And we've had a lot of requests for that, but until we could find a better packaging solution, we're just kind of staying away from it. Yeah. Somebody will develop it or we might even develop a, a better <laughs> packaging solution that, that works, but it's convenient also for the customer. Yeah. yeah. I also wondered about um, the stems. You know, yeah. the very top, you've got this bloom. Yeah, what do you guys do with the stems? Fire starters. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. I thought that. Yeah. Would be- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You you can make brooms. Um, fire starters. Oh, there you go. So after um, for my bunches, I keep them nice and tall. But for making um, sachet, um, you know, I basically just go like. So that's been go shaken like this. already. This is we call it shaken, but mm-hmm. we just take it over a container and go like this, and the the buds all fall off. So these I we use for starting a fire. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, I'm allergic to lavender. Yeah, just serious. <laughs> mm-hmm. So how do you did that she, develop year round? I do this outside. Yeah, uh, I take antihistamines year round, pretty much. That is wild. Yeah, during during harvest, and if my mom's in here working with the lavender, and it's it's mostly when it's dried, the little particles are in the air, mm-hmm. and I just watery eyes, mm-hmm. sneezing. <laughs> so well, it's interesting when I distill, and I'm and I'm stilling all day long, so I'm breathing the fumes. I become very lethargic, <laughs> very slow because yeah. it, it does work. And we yeah. sleep really well. At the end harvest. of the day, I'm I'm spent. I can't do anything. Yeah. I am so relaxed, mm-hmm. and I just and have to go lay down. That's what known for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but so, I get overdose of it. <laughs> what product do you make that actually is made to help people sleep? Just a pure essential yeah. oil. Yeah. Um, I well, use it in a you, diffuser. Okay, a diffuser. Yeah. Some, you don't rub it on feet or... What? You can't. Lavender is one of the essential oils. You can use neat, so you can use um, straight up on your skin. Oh. Some oils you don't want to use because it could cause skin burn. Yeah, yeah, peppermint would burn you. Cinnamon bark would burn you. Um, but lavender can be used directly on the skin. So you can put it on your temples, behind your ears, on your wrists. Yeah, I mean, I use it on my kids at night, help them just kind of calm does, does down. Does it work? <laughs> Usually, that has an effect. Huh? That'll make them run the property. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, they have a lavender sachet in their pillowcases. So oh, my sister does that. Yeah. So when they move around at night, you know, it releases lavender. I mean, it it's it's been used for hundreds of years yeah. to relax. I mean, it's it's a natural sedative. So it does work. Yeah. for me. Yeah. Huh. All right. I'm, can I get a photo of the Johnny Walker labels? Okay. This is hilarious. <laughs> Because at first glance, you walk in here and think, oh, they've got a serious drinking issue. <laughs> Shall I arrange it anyway? No. Someone does. <laughs> yeah, someone else. This is funny. No, that's many years of... Uh... And I, I keep them, I clean them, and then see, I get things like this. Like, I'll get it like this. Oh, yeah. And then I pour it into here. So that you, you buy it and they ship it in plastic, but yeah. you store it in glass. Yep. Plastic or um, metal. Yeah, aluminum. Oh, okay. Stainless. Glass is better. Really? So why wouldn't you leave it in the stainless? 
You know, we, glass is probably the best inert yeah. material. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. You know? It even it even the companies even recommend you replace yeah. them because after oh, a while yeah. there's these plastic tops and everything oh. starts getting gummy. You just corroded. Yeah. I mean, some essential oils are really corrosive and intense, so you, mm-hmm. you want to put them in glass. You're the herbalist. So what do you mix lavender with? What other oils? For our uh, herbal healing salve, do calendula, chamomile, yarrow, mullein, plantain. Ooh. There's an infusion. That's an herbal oil that we're making for our charcoal soap. So this is three herbs, calendula, chamomile, and lavender. And we make a charcoal detox soap that would be best for your your face. Mm -hmm. And so those are... um, herbs that are good for kind of soothing irritated skin mm-hmm. this is our herbal healing salve oil it's already this has been seven through. herbs so it's been pressed that and that's olive oil oh, so okay. the seven herbs pressed through have yep. created you know this dark so, intense there's so oil. many oils there's almond oil olive oil yeah. how do you choose which it kind of depends on the product you're making yeah. um olive oil it's just a nice, basic oil. It doesn't impart too much of a scent. Sesame oil is popular, but... It's strong. It's strong. Yeah. yeah, and we don't want deodorized oils. That is for a salve. So so using it on your skin, you don't smell the olive oil really anymore because the herbs kind of went into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those herbs are all... I chose them because they have skin healing properties. Mm-hmm. So eczema, you know, small wounds, scratches, rashes, Insect bites and stings. Comfrey is a is a known skin regenerator. They mm-hmm. used to call it knit bone, and oh, it was used over the years to you know help broken bones, um, kind of heal open wounds. So that's in there as well. Oh, okay, I use it on myself, my kids. <laughs> it works well. <laughs> so, what's your best selling product? Probably soap. You know, yeah. the my lavender soap. Yeah, lavender soap. You've been making soap yeah. the longest, yeah. and you've perfected it. Great product. product. Yeah. People love it. So, yeah. I mean, so I, what do you prefer, the glycerin or the cold press? I probably cold process. Yeah. 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 My favorite of all my soaps is actually citrus blossom, which is the glycerin soap. But that's got so many great citrus scents in there. Like It smells like, like a lemon tree in bloom. It yeah. smells amazing. Yeah. So I need to buy some of this. Okay. <laughs> Can you so, show me the finished product yeah. of the soaps? I have some down in the house. Okay. Thank you so much. This is but these are all the different scents that we have for soap. My favorite is rose geranium. And I love geranium smell. I don't know yeah. why, but anytime I, I, I smell something with geranium, I love it. I love this. It's got geranium essential oil and rose absolute, a tiny bit of rose absolute. You don't and like geranium. I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> but, you know, that's why I make different soaps different for scents. different folks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the lavender would be the most popular. This autumn fig this has been, yeah, especially this time of year, it's a real fall scent that is really popular. Oh, that's lovely. And that's a fragrance oil. So now you have a lot of people kind of moving away from um, fragrance oils and kind of want scent-free or just essential oils. But I can say... What's the difference between a fragrance oil and essential oil? So a fragrance oil would be created in a lab. But it could also be 90% essential oil. Mm -hmm. But because it has some fragrance in there, it would be still considered fragrance oil. And the interesting thing about fragrance is that there is no law that regulates what you tell people is in it. So fragrance or perfume on an ingredient label can be made up of one thing or could be made up of a thousand elements, and they do not have to disclose that. 
So some people are uncomfortable with that. I am one of them. And I try to stick to essential oils myself. Mm -hmm. But I also really like the scent of that. So I'll use that sometimes. Mm -hmm. But um, it's just, it's a really interesting law or lack of a law that we have where they do not have to disclose the elements in, in fragrance. All right, so where's this? We then talked about why Mary has to wrap her glycerin soaps in plastic as opposed to paper like her other more traditional bar soaps. It's because glycerin will keep attracting moisture, which is why it's so great for your skin and makes it so soft. But this moisture-attracting ability will make the packaging sweat and get gooey, so that doesn't look really great on the shelf. So despite the fact that they want to avoid plastic, they have to wrap their glycerin soaps in it to keep them firm and fresh for the consumer. I asked about liquid soaps, and again, the issue of containers and plastic came up. And Natalia pointed out that recently she has seen a return to the more traditional old-fashioned bar soaps in stores being more popular. And I've seen this too. We've seen an uptick in bar soap sales. And I I know people that have personally moved in that direction as well because they don't want packaging. They don't want plastic. Yeah, every time you empty one of those, you throw it away. Yeah. 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 Even though we recycle it, I mean, the whole recycling industry is... A bit at a standstill right now, so yeah. yeah. It smells so good in here. The funny thing is, I don't smell anything. Because you're so used yeah, to it. Yeah, but what's what are the way for what are the grass or something? And then I come in there and then I get. We then left the studio and headed over to the main house, where we enjoyed lavender shortbread. Fresh baked. It was incredible. These people were so delightful to talk with. I really enjoyed my time with Mary, David, and their daughter, Natalia. And have you ever noticed how it's the little things that are very telling about what kind of people they are? For instance, there's a dead tree in the middle of their field, which they refuse to take down because that's what woodpeckers use. That's what the hawks use to perch on. And they know that other animals use dead trees, so why take it down? They also let the deer roam their property. Mary says she likes looking at the deer, and besides, they don't eat her lavender. Then another telling moment is we go into their kitchen and they make me this fragrant, amazing lavender shortbread cookies and serve me a cup of tea. We sat around and talked and I could have just talked for hours. It was so fascinating talking about all our life experiences. And David, although he's distilling lavender now, he's been working on fishing up in Alaska. He's done logging. I mean, I want to come back and interview this guy. I just had such a great time meeting these people. And then they put together a whole basket of like lavender flowers, essential oil, a sachet for my pillow, some soaps. They were just delightful. I really urge you to visit their place, Deer Haven Lavender. And I want to come back for a you pick day. I think that sounds really cool. And I want to watch David do the distilling. And while sipping tea, we talk some more about the farmer's life of growing lavender, how to get started growing your own lavender plants, and what the harvest days are like. So be sure to visit them and be sure to visit the website www.thisoutsidelife.com slash lavender and you can download those free recipes for the lavender shortbread and the lavender sugar scrub. If somebody wanted to grow lavender at home, like I have a friend in Tennessee who's thinking, oh, I might want to buy a house and get a couple acres. So how much lavender does she need to grow or how much land do you need or what sort of advice would you give somebody? I'd say contact the Lavender Growers Association. I belong to them. They're all they're in the United States and they have one for each I want to say area. division area of the United States. So you can get 
all the particulars, like what kind of soil, what kind of... Well, and what does best in your area. Yeah, exactly. What plants do best in your area. And then they have a conference every year, every other year. We may be going. It's in Charleston this year. You can learn everything you need to know about lavender growing by attending this conference. Oh, there you go. You know, start with one plant. Yeah. Yeah. Just start with one plant and learn to make your own cuttings. But, you know, and you can develop your own local market. Even if it's just a half an acre, eventually you can make that viable. And it's But one thing lavender needs is well-drained soil. They mm. don't like wet feet. That's important. So yeah. I started making cuttings. I had four plants, and then I went to 15, 30, 100. We made a, a lot of cuttings yeah. my senior year of high school. My, my boyfriend and I. We, I, I uh, so what's involved in making a cutting? How do you do that? Well, you take the mother plant and basically just pull off four inches. Yeah, or well, so. Well, you take some you take some current growth, yeah. um, new growth with just a tiny bit of where it connects to the stem from last year's growth, and then you dip it in a, a hormone, or you can use cinnamon, but naturally well, cinnamon. I've never heard of yeah, that. Cinnamon works, and then you put it in a growing medium, and then you take care of it and. In a few months, you have a viable plant. Do you have like a, a bag over it or cover to keep it moist? Or no, we just we do it in in usually four inch pots or, or trays, and then just keep the soil relatively moist, but not over watered. And, and how long does it take to get a good root system? Six oh. weeks, mm-hmm. and then I'll see new growth. And right now, I have um, plants that are about um, four months old now, ready to go in the ground this fall. So, and that's the neat thing about certain plants and, and growing certain plants. I mean, you you can do it all within your own small plot of land, you know. You can buy nursery stock, but if you just go out and get a few plants, you know, within a couple of years, you can have quite a number of plants. And then now we're into, the, well, we were into the thousands um, before we took this last field out to rotate it. Because you get about eight to ten years out of a plant. So what misconceptions do people have about, oh, you grow lavender and you make essential oils? Well, people tend to have this idea of, I think any farmer in general, that you're gallivanting through your fields and everything is so peaceful (laughs) and there's butterflies and bumblebees, which there are, but it's incredibly stressful because you're, you're tied to the elements. And some years are good years, some years you know, or bad years, and it's... Well, it's it's hard work. There's no question about it. There is hard work involved, depending on the condition of the land when you start. Some of this land, you know, still had heavy shrubs and brush on it. So prepping the land and getting it, getting it ready to grow still takes a lot of effort. And then once you establish the plants, you know, they still need some help at the beginning through irrigation. So you're either putting in a drip system or some kind of, some kind of irrigation system, or you're watering them by hand. Till they get established. Mm-hmm. You have minimal gopher control. Gophers will chew on them in the fall when their food supply is dwindled. So they, they may munch on them. So do you plant them in gopher cages or no? No, no, we don't. Because um, nor- normally they, they don't bother them. There's weed management. How do you harvest? Is, is it all by hand or do you, how do you do that? We're small time. So yeah, it's traditionally been done by hand we do it by hand because they're so small we do a selective harvest and then we do a mass harvest for our oil production the selective harvest is mainly for floral Mm -hmm. use and dried lavender and do you always use the scythe to do that we do and our workers do but when we do our open fields for you pick we give everyone a pair of scissors because each stem is picked individually and then for the the mass harvest you can kind of grab a bunch and just cut all those at once with a, a small little scythe. 
But harvest, back to the um, misconceptions, harvest is crazy, you know, and you never know the timing. It's all based on weather and growth. And sometimes it, you know, might be a three or four week harvest. Sometimes it could be a two week harvest. And you're really, we are really trying to catch the plants at a very specific time. Yeah. So it's not, when, when do you do it? Is is it after the the buds have opened up or it's before they've opened up or? we, We go on a percentage of open flowers and I think Mary likes to do it around a 20% for our selective harvest, the lavender that we hang and dry and use for floral use. And then the, the flower head stays in bud form, like those dried flowers. If too many have blossomed, they start to fall off. So it's about 20%. And they can turn brown. And, and so it just doesn't look very nice. Yeah. It doesn't harm the plant, but it just doesn't look nice. Yeah. So we are trying to harvest the plant at a very specific time. So literally sun up to sundown, you're harvesting all day. And then when you're done, you have to go hang them upside down. So they dry in a nice straight line. So harvest can be crazy. Do you hire on extra help for that? We do. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have pickers that have been with us now for years mm-hmm. and they're they're local local people that have, that have helped us so they they come each year and help us harvest natalia you mentioned about the flowers turning color so another issue we deal with here is mm-hmm. fog and if we oh, get yeah. fog during that certain time then it, it can really damage the look of the plant any so, flower opened when it gets moisture from fog or even drippy rain will turn brown yeah which we had this year which is you wake up in the morning and look out your window and your heart just drops because the fog came in overnight. So it's a, it, <laughs> so even if it burns off in the day, it's still well, it's once wrecked it. Once they get wet, once the flower gets wet, it's pretty much the damaged. The damage has been yeah. done. So it's a fine dance to get that timing just right. So what month are you harvesting this? Okay, it's probably uh, mid-June to mid-July. So oh, I would have thought it was there. later. No, it's in there. It's in that time frame. So you don't go anywhere. You just watch no, the plants. That's correct. <laughs> so that's one of the... And that's another... That's a huge downside is that as a farmer, you really don't vacation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, because you, you're caretaking your your plants year-round and then harvest. Yeah. We don't plan anything. June, Wait, what... A, yeah, June, July, but... Yeah. January, in the middle of the winter rains, can you take off then? That's when we get, that's, that's our vacation. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, you, you're still protecting your land from runoff, yeah. from erosion. Yeah. You're, you're planning future fields, rotations. Mm-hmm. There, there's always work to do. Yeah, we do try to, you know, slip away for, for short times when we can. But You served this wonderful shortbread with lavender. <laughs> Is there anything else you cook or make with lavender? Rosemary, like when you roast a chicken? Yeah, I could see that. I've put lavender inside of a chicken. Lavender, oh. lemon, bunch of herbs. I mean, you, you know, an herb, you can yeah. use it. Um, but it is a very intense, it can it can be bitter, especially if you bite onto a bud while you're, you know, eating something. So very light-handed with it. What do you like best about this business? Well, I, I like it has a cycle. You know, we're really busy in the summer, and then there's this downtime like right now. And I'm gearing up for Christmas with my soap business. And then we have a downtime. And then we're gearing up for the summer harvest again. So I think I like is the up and downness of it. Yeah. Variety. There's yeah. a lot of variety. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I like the seasonal aspect, yeah. farming part, whereas, you know, I don't look at the clock or the time or the calendar. I can feel it. You know, you know when you have to do what you have to do in the fields because... You know, it's like your own biological clock is, is working. So, you know, this is the time to do this because the days are getting longer or the days are getting shorter. 
you know, whether it's you know, preparing new fields, taking care of new plants or pruning. So to me, it's it's just the, the rhythm. Season, yeah, the yeah. rhythm of it. I, yeah. I think that would be... Well, you'd have to be in touch with nature's rhythms Absolutely. to be doing this. Yeah. So what are your biggest headaches? Well, I was just going to say, just but that. there's that frustration <laughs> of that. The weather, I think, you know. Yeah. Yeah, weather. Yeah, and you know, reacting to what nature delivers us. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's things that you just all of a sudden have to deal with. You didn't plan on it. Well, whether it is fire, whether it's uh, heavy rains, wind, those type of things, and then you just have to go out and react to them. You know, you can prep, you can prepare, but it's those reactions, I think. But but I think that's that's to me that's part of the mistake and part of the intrigue. Mm-hmm. So, what's a typical day of harvest look like? Well, I think look at the weather. Yeah, yeah, Mary's Mary constantly walks the fields, looks at the plants to see where they're at in their bloom, and then Mary will make the decision, and she'll say, "We pick in two days." And usually Mary's right because I'll (laughs) I'll say, "Well, no, I think it's longer." But Mary's usually right, and so we'll we'll contact our uh, workers. So you better hope they're available. Do you yeah. give them like a week's notice? Like we think maybe uh, we they they know we we communicate because they come up and you know we work on other projects. We're we're always working on the land, so they're aware of it too, and everybody just feels it coming. And then Mary makes the call, <laughs> and I mean Mary's usually up at three thirty every morning anyway. The workers three thirty. Yes, I'm an early bird. Yeah, that's when Mary starts her <laughs> I'm day. I'm not. No, Mary will prepare all the equipment, all the all the cutting equipment. We sharpen uh, the tools. Yeah, but what we do have is the workers bring their wives and their children. Mm-hmm. You know, however, however we need if we need a group of ten or a group of eight, or if we just need four for today. You know, mm-hmm. um, and they've brought food up. Yeah. Well, we always plan a meal around it. That's yes. part of it too. You have to have a meal. So um, this sounds so bucolic and old-fashioned. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, welcome yeah. to the Amish lavender farm. And, and you know, it, it works. Yeah. It just it creates a good atmosphere, and I think it it, it makes us everybody care about what mm-hmm. they're doing, and it gives us anticipation too for the meal, uh, <laughs> just the the companionship that we have. And they have their music and yeah, and you know, our, our workers are Hispanic, so different from a different culture, but we blend it so yeah. well and. You know, we, we just we give something to each other through that, through the harvest. But, but yeah, we prepare all the tools. Mary plans where to pick first, and she'll go out into the field and just select certain rows or certain plants. Hmm. Say, these are the ones I want picked. So Mary's kind of the, the director of that. And the lavender alchemist. Yes, and she'll move, <laughs> she'll move the crew to different fields at different times of the day, which I, I think is pretty neat. But the earlier in the day that they start is better because of the heat. It can get really hot out there as the day goes on. So they'll sometimes pick, what, 7 a.m.? Yeah, and then they'll actually stop. Then we might start up a crew around 5 o'clock in the evening and pick till 8 o'clock. And then we're hanging until 9. Do the buds close up at all in the evening? Or? Yes, they do. Oh, they do. Yeah. Okay. So you wouldn't want it in the middle of the day then? No. no. And some, I mean, summer up here can get really really hot i mean i mean it can be 100 plus out in the fields so nice to kind of take that break you know a little siesta and then and then continue yeah i love this community aspect that you have going with your workers it's just takes it so far away from the whole business thing and it's much more you know growing up i I grew up in the vineyards with, with the old italians 
And they taught us to have have some kind of relationship with the plants as well as each other. You know, I think they were practicing biodynamic farming without knowing it, just from trial and error through all the years. But that community, too, was part of it. And, and I miss that because all those old gentlemen have passed. But their wives would come up and make food while we worked, and then we'd, we'd stop and have an extended lunch. I think that... That makes it very sort of old world European, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and they, they'll often bring their children up, yeah. and you know, a lot of them don't speak very good English, but the kids do, and so the kids translate for, for their parents, which is kind of fun, and then the kids play with my kids, and you know, everyone stays occupied, and yeah, and then usually at the end of the harvest, we pick a day where they all come up, and we just have a barbecue. But it yeah. is a it is a short and quick. Harvest. You are sort of racing time. You must be exhausted at the end of the day. Well, and and that lavender that you're breathing all day puts you to sleep. So you literally drop into bed <laughs> and you sleep so hard yeah. during harvest. It works. Yeah, yeah. But but it is there is something really special about picking lavender in the fields. Thousands of bees buzzing around you. Mm-hmm. I mean, seven, eight different varieties of bees. And the butterflies are around, it's hot, and you're, you're breathing lavender all day. I mean, it, it is a really kind of amazing experience. Yeah. So the bees, I mean, I'm not afraid of bees because I'm a huge gardener, but you're cutting off all their, their blossoms. How do they feel about we, that? You know, we, we are, and, and we always leave some. We never mm-hmm. take all the lavender, even after our mass harvest for distilling the oil. And besides, you know, just the honeybees, we have a population of wild bumblebees here. There's, there's black bees and other wasps and insects that work those lavenders all day. And the unique thing I learned just recently, and I've been a beekeeper a lot of my life, is the bumblebees will overnight on the flowers. Mm-hmm. I've seen them sleeping yes. in my roses. It's yeah. the most charming it's thing really in the cute. world. Yeah. And my son, my youngest, he's a entomologist. He goes out there <laughs> and he tries to hold all the bees. He's been stung on his hands so many times, but he doesn't care. He Aww. loves the bees, and he wants to pet them and hold them and name them, and he knows he knows all the different bees. Oh, because there's mason bees and bumblebees yeah, and oh, honey yeah, bees, and, and he knows them all. And he's four, and he's just—I mean, no joke. During <laughs> during harvest, where's Ford? Oh, he's out there in the fields in his underwear, touching the bees. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> yeah, he's. Oh, so we do leave some some yeah. some bloom. For the insects, um, we, just, we feel that's important. But they don't bother you because no, as long happy. as you don't bother them, they don't bother you. They're mm-hmm. happy. They're probably just as calm and relaxed with the lavender as we are. And the only time I've been stung is when I put my hand on, you know, to gra- and I didn't know there was a bee there when I go that's to grab it, my yeah. plants. And I get stung once a year. Mm-hmm. You know, at least yeah, I got stung by honeybee when I was visiting my friend's hives and it wasn't that big a deal. Yeah. I mean, compared to a wasp, yeah, it was exactly. nothing. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. But we, we do have, we keep spray Benadryl out near the field for people who do get stung. Yeah. You know, you can spray that out right away. I've never it, heard of that. It That's works a... amazing. My yeah. son who gets stung all the time. <laughs> we have a lot of it. I just, I think bees are fascinating, you know, think they're fascinating. And yeah. well, we my dad com- was a beekeeper. My grandpa was a big beekeeper. We did commercial beekeeping. So I've, we've moved them all around the state yeah. of California and i what haven't you done? You've worked in vineyards. You've worked in Alaska doing <laughs> fishing a, boats. You've run, oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, for sure. yeah. Well, it's just, you know, I mean, I think that's what life's for is, is to experience a lot of that stuff. And, and just, you know, being out in the elements, I think. The story you know, of our life. Well, I think it's just important. I, think, I mean, that's what developed us. So. Well, you're more in touch with 
what's really going on in the world when you're out there every day, yeah. all day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine doing it any other way. Wow. You guys, I could talk to you guys for days, but thank you so much for being on This Outside Life. This has been amazing. I've learned so much about lavender, and I can't wait to show my photos of all your your great soaps and oils. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Well, I found this interview fascinating, the difference between how different companies make their essential oils and what's the difference between fragrance oils and essential oils and the different kind of soaps like cold press versus glycerin. I just found the whole thing really interesting. Be sure to visit DearHavenLavender.com to see pictures of their farm and find out when the U-Pick days are. And then also you can follow them on Instagram, which is at DearHavenFarm. So the website is www.dearhavenlavender.com, but to follow them on Instagram, it's Dear Haven Farm. It is such a great group of people, and I hope you buy their products, and it's a great time of the year to get Christmas gifts. So buy all these soaps. I really like their cedar soap, as well as their lavender soap, and of course the essential oils. And yeah, I'll be doing Christmas shopping there, and I hope you do too. If you have a friend who's really into essential oils, or maybe just kind of curious, Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with them. I think they'd really enjoy it. All the aspects about what it is to grow the lavender, distill the essential oil, and make soaps and products. I think they'd really enjoy it. So take a screenshot and share it on your favorite social media hangout. See you next time.